This is AJ from 88.5 FM, and I am honored to have with me today the incredible saxophonist, composer, flutist or flautist, depending on uh, which way which way you go, and uh, composer. Did I mention composer? Yeah. Well, anyway, he is very awesome. I have with me Will Donato, um. and. We're going to see Will uh, at Meet Me at the Cinema on Thursday, February 17th, 2022 at the Sinopolis in Laguna Niguel. And it's been a while, Will, since you've been down to South Orange County. I am excited about the date. And as we say, don't threaten me with a good time going to Laguna Niguel. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really nice. I like this concept, too. this lovely entrepreneur, um, Chef Mumsy, and she has a new uh, concept where you bring the cinema and music and good people together. And I really like that. And I like the amenities at this particular venue. Uh, I like the idea of just creating conversation with music. So I'm very excited about it. Well, talking about conversation, you've performed at big places, medium places, small places this one is going to be a little more intimate uh performance and what do you like about doing these really small performances i really like engaging with people and i i love people and i i like to see the whites of their eyes as they say and uh, i like that instant connection that you can get um so i love i love dinner theaters where you're literally you got a, a tall table right one arm's linked away. You're sort of playing and they're making conversation. Oh, is that the wheel? You know, you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. And I, I just like that. And uh, I was playing in Palm Springs recently and I had my flute, which you play perpendicular to your body. And I'm not kidding you, AJ, there was a table right by me. And I know we're in the middle of protocols and I'm playing sax, which is parallel to our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and I pick up my flute and I realize my flute is about eight inches over this man's prime rib. And I thought, this can't be a good optic. <laughs> so I kind of turned my body away. That's how intimate this place was. But I, I looked over and nobody caught it. I thought, this can't be a good optic with your flute encroaching in the circle <laughs> of their table. And I started, and I just, sorry about that. It just, it just struck me. It's so funny, but. That is about as intimate as you can get. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that that you turned and knocked over, you know, waiter holding. holding. <laughs> um, I, I was just, you know, I was cracking up. I thought, oh, Lord, this can't look good. But, uh, but you know what? I, I think about that a lot of your question. You know, I wonder if it would be as fulfilling if you only did those venues where to the audience, you're just the size of an ant. Um when I was younger, I was in a kind of a super group called the Untouchables, and we played Universal Amphitheater, Pacific Amphitheater, and no one could really get back to you. You were herded in, you did your show, and you leave. You might meet somebody at the merch table, but you know, in our format of jazz, that's what I do like. You can interact with all your artists, and yeah, so I, I, I actually do love the intimate venues. Well, I think, you know, for myself as an audience member, uh, the saxophone especially, because it is so much like the human voice. Yes. um, To have that conversation 
so yes. to say, with the artist in a small venue, there's really nothing like it. I love it. You know, I like the uh, aspect of, like you said, having a conversation. And I, I love humor. And you can actually personalize humor when you can see the folks. You can, you can be self-effacing about yourself. You can also acknowledge people that may or may not get acknowledged in life. You know, I'm a big believer in no fan left behind. You know, if you if I canvas the room and I see people are not um, being included, somehow I figure out a way as, to get there through with a wireless mic or just directing a sentiment their way. But I'm a big believer in that. I think I had an older sister who was kind of one of those gals that tends to get ignored in our society. I thought, you know, I don't want that happening to, in, in my on my watch as an artist. Well, if you want to go and not be ignored, um, if you're interested in this event, you can go to meetmeatthecinema.com and check it out. We are going to have a great time. I'm actually bringing two high-powered singers with me, um, a, a, a stunning female vocalist, Pebbles Glass, and uh, the amazing Eddie Reddick, who sings with me a lot. People know him really well, and he's just the best. He sang with Quincy Jones and Shaka Khan and even Stacy Q, Two of Hearts. <laughs> wow. So I've got a in in the concert segment, I've got it all covered with the saxophones and vocalists. So we're gonna do a really nice mix of music from Motown R and B and you know reggae. So. You you do a lot of collaborations with other artists and um Actually, you you've been known to cross cross the genres. Like yes, you're not you're not limited to jazz or pop. You you go everywhere. I like the uh, I like the mix of styles. I tend to do, do flavors sometimes. Um, I love bosses. I love reggae. Uh, I like straight ahead, and I try to put a little seas sampling samplers in all my music and my my projects a little bit of all of it yeah how did you get to jazz and horns and things in the first place i mean did you grow up wanting to do that or did you want to be a rock star or you know you know it's funny because when i had the radio show la talk radio i got to interview like yourself hundreds of artists and i realized i was really fascinated by the trajectories you know, some folks did the, you know, elementary school music to junior high to college. And then some people that just joined a band when they were young. Some of the gospel players were part of the church the whole time. But I had the traditional route where I was like the kid, the third grader that gets an instrument. The funny thing about me is my parents had to make me stop practicing. <laughs> There's always that cliche. Uh, where, you know, the folks force the kids to, they literally had to knock on my door. We practiced enough. <laughs> and I got obsessive about it too. Uh, AJ, if I missed a day, I would say, okay, well, I have to do double that the next day. And I just, I actually continued that for a while, but I kind of hide that side from my fans sometimes that I could be very focused like that. But yeah, my folks actually had to like, you're done practicing now. <laughs> it's always, you know, 
I'm still addicted to music. I still am joyful. I have no cynicism about anything about the business. I just still love it. And, you know, that fascinates myself that, you know. Well, that's something I've always enjoyed about you is that you're always joyful. And it could have been you have that that joy and energy of somebody that's still first starting out. But, you know, the accomplishments of of all how many years in music now? Oh, my goodness. I basically think I've grown up my whole life at once I started um, 35, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And, and, you, and you still have that joy of a oh, child. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny because it's more of a love of craft, you know, because some people get into these, the arts for different reasons, acclaim, fame, money. It's just, I, I just have a real joy of the craft itself. Um, my current kick right now is classical flute. I'm just obsessed with it. And, uh, it's so far out of my regular branding, like funk, funk guy that stands on the bar <laughs> guy. <laughs> and I have some of my buddies that call me and they call me, uh, they call me, Hey, Galloway. Hey, Ron Paul, what are you up to today? But I just, I just love classical flute. But, you know, I think when you step outside your regular point of view, it makes you really appreciate your wheelhouse. And, uh, but I just love classical flute. I'm just enjoying it so much. And I'm playing it. I'm playing it on my shows as a jazz artist now. And uh, it's very, it's really fun. It's, it's a challenging instrument. They call it the cane of doom. <laughs> <laughs> so our friends our mutual friends like Althea Renee, uh, 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 Kim Scott, my label mate, and Reagan Whiteside and Nelson Rangel, Jeff Kashua, you know, hats off these folks are they're just really respected by me well paula atherton also does yes i love her flute playing yes you know it's funny in this conversation saxophone and vocals have such a wide dynamic range you can whisper you can shout the flute without microphone or amplification has such a limited dynamic range so when you go from like ah, to it's <laughs> You know, it takes a while to realize to propel your life force with this instrument. <laughs> it's challenging, you know. But well, uh, well speaking of propelling, um, you've had some top singles, and two of your top singles were influenced by very important people in your life: uh, your chart-topping "Infinite Soul" and your latest single, "The Goddess." Uh, can you tell everybody about those? I have a father who's actually my real life hero and I uh, still talk to him every day. He's in his nineties and he's sharp as a tack. He was in the army, retired as a colonel and uh, was an optometrist and uh, it's funniest guy I know. And so I dedicated infinite soul to my father. Um, and uh it's funny when within your own family, your heroes are in your family. I mean, other than societal iconic heroes, but my younger sister is probably one of the most likable people I've ever met on this planet. She means no harm. She can go into a room of strangers and 
doesn't have to prove herself. Can just stand there. People embrace her. And uh, I think I tell my friends, if I channel my father and my sister, I can go into any room and feel comfortable. And uh, so um, The Goddess was written for my wife, Diana, who basically helped me get through cancer, throat cancer that I had. And uh, I find sometimes in our business, we don't celebrate the folks around us as much as we should. You know, it can be kind of a lonely endeavor in some ways, um, a singular endeavor. So I just want to make sure in my catalog, I had a song for Diana, my wife, that was really heartfelt. And uh, so I, I really like the single. Uh, is that going to be on your upcoming album, Legacy? It is. It is. Um, I have this style that I do as I start a couple singles and then that pushes me into the album. So by the time the first single comes out and lands, I usually try to have the album finished on the first campaign. So it's sort of a, a thrill seekers way of motivating yourself. Like when this <laughs> single lands, I better, I better have a home for it that can go out in the world. A couple of my friends do it like that too, but it's kind of a motivating thing. So if you get the single out, I call it the movie trailer to my album. You know, the album's coming. Trust me. I, I put a little movie trailer out. <laughs> so you, you're hustling at the end. So. so do you have a date for this album or? Well, that's another thing. On my record label, they're so wonderful and organized that the old days of just sort of being artsy about your releases, oh, I'll just get it when the creative spark, you know, manifests itself. They are very regimented in a good way of like, all right, Donato, we see talk about an album, you know, and they schedule these things. Um, we've got, uh, I think this is planned for first quarter or fourth quarter of, fourth quarter 2022. Um, I'm a very fast writer. I, I can write under the gun. I can sit down and, you know, write. I'm not saying they're all going to be hits. <laughs> But I, I can write quickly under the gun um, because I write pretty much every day when I drink my morning coffee, you know, I'll write ideas. It's just part of how I wake up and they're like eight measures or half of the song. And, you know, sometimes I'm using the word song very loosely, but I do write every day. And so I sort of have this boneyard of good ideas that I can kind of put them together. Uh, some, Yeah. So you actually kind of write it out first instead of just picking up the horn and noodling around a little bit and then say, you know, and then writing it? I typically hum a melody or internalize a melody or I'll hear a groove. Sometimes I will have my set list, my live set list really dictates how I will design an album. Uh, I have songs that I've performed in my set list thinking, the old 2020 models, we got to get them off the lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes I'll take the tempo or the groove because it absolutely fit in the set list. Like it might have been my second follow up to an opener or the closer. So I'll try to get that car off the lot you know, and refresh it with new models. And, uh, but I really like set lists. And I think an artist 
should really be informed by their set list because it's what we take out in public. And that's when the public sees us, you know, more so than ever with streaming. And if you write a song that's not going to service your show or something you enjoy playing live, it's not really going to get any visibility. You know, I mean, I'm sure it'll get, you know, some streams, but so I'm very influenced by the set list. I really take a good hard look at, man, that's a, I got an old 90, 98 Vega in the set list. <laughs> I got to get it off a lot. The analogies actually get better as the day goes on, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying, but I, I, I really enjoy that a lot. I tell a lot of young artists that don't even have originals yet. I say, imagine if you get a call today to do a show. I said, as a friend and someone that I enjoy chatting with, tell me your set list. So a lot of their early set lists have all cover tunes and maybe one song they're working on. And I, I said, just do that. Get a Sharpie, write out a set list because somebody will call you and you're going to have to do a show uh, and tell a story. And I said, as you go along in this craft, the show becomes all personal songs and cover songs that mean something to you. You know, and that there's a quote from Tony Bennett that he said it took him till he was 80 to figure out his set list. <laughs> so I thought, all right, I'm okay. I'm, you're, you know, you're way ahead of the game. I know. <laughs> but when he said that, it made, it made me laugh because I thought, it's a set list is important to him too. And he humbly says, yeah, I didn't get my set list together until I was 80. I thought, all righty, <laughs> you know, let's see, do I follow up? I left my heart in San Francisco with, uh, you know, it's a lovely day. So, but well, uh, he has a lot of songs to do. Oh, does he know? Well, it's so funny. And I'll said humbly, I sit down to do set list. I'm like, well, wow, what happened? I got a lot of material here. You can't get it all in on the show now in a, in a 10 or 12 slot. And it's, it's like an aha moment. Like, wow. You know, and it, it's actually, I can remember not that long ago where I had like cover, cover, one, cover, covers, covers, you know. And, uh, but I use, really use my set list to define what I'm going to write a lot of times. But, you know, in this, in this period of time, we're seeing a lot of artists really go back and yes. either re-record some of their original hits from the, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s. And some of them are even re-releasing the same track, just identical, throwing it on a throwing it on an album. And the younger people who didn't hear those artists at that time think it's a whole new thing and nothing's changed. The the tunes haven't changed. There's Right now, there's such a mix of different types of music that if you heard something that you never heard, say, from the 80s, you right. might think it's brand new. You know, I actually, The Goddess was on my very first CD. And I know from my point of view, technology has changed. And my understanding of how to produce music changed. And I thought, I've got this great song in my catalog, but it just sounds you know, sometimes when you go back and hear like Songbird or something from the 80s or an old song from the 80s, you hear just a loud reverb and it's just washy. And uh, I think a lot of these artists with technology, now you have a chance to revisit the music and maybe clean it up or give it a different slant. And it's very hard to walk away from songs that were so well done or so well written. And now technology's changed and we all have home studios. So you have a chance to, you know, it's like some of your 
if you've gone through some of your archival tapes, you're like, God, I wish I knew a bit more about lighting. And now you, you understand lighting, but you know, you got friends holding flashlights when we all started, you know, and, and now, you know, you had a, a remote you did and you, you're like, God, I, I love that remote at the fair or whatever. You know, you got like two buddies and, you know, but now you can, you know, you can reconfigure some of the things that you wrote, but I think that possibly is some of that that happens, you know. Well, well, nowadays you can do a lot with an iPhone and a ring light. I know. <laughs> a ring light and an iPhone is a movie, yeah. No, but those, you, you know, you're asking such good questions and I, and I, it's, it's really refreshing to be able to uh, engage at this level on, on, on uh, art history, you know. I'm, I'm just having such a good time right now with it, so. Well, I enjoy having you here, but let me ask you this. You have this public persona and you, you Google your name and people say, you know, they'll describe you in different ways. You, soulful saxophonist or uh, cancer survivor who is very joyful, all, all different kinds of ways that you've been described. But if you were to describe yourself in the third person knowing you, so say you're your friend, yes, and you're going to describe who Will Donato is, what would you say? I really do strive to be the same person on and off stage. Sometimes I'll tell my friends, the only difference between me on stage and off stage is a fancy shirt <laughs> <laughs> or a leather jacket. But uh, you're making me crack up. Um, I'm the same guy off stage, you know. Of course, I, my wife says, you know, you can't just run around going like this. You know, <laughs> you're not as big off stage, but you know, I'm really, I don't know. You know, I find that my friends and my father teases me, like if I'm walking into a uh, retail store and I see a little old lady, like just ahead of me, I'll tell her, "That's a really pretty shirt you have on." You know, I, I feel like acknowledgments and compliments and kind words are free it's just air it costs nothing to make someone stay brighter and start a chain of love and you know I, I really live by that sometimes i'll just say something nice to somebody and uh my dad always goes he, my dad is uh he's in a del web and he goes i pulled a will donato i told some of their hair looked nice well <laughs> <laughs> my father who's a celebrated guy he's said. And I went to a cocktail party and I pulled a will. I really listened thoughtfully and I really listened to what he had to say. I go, good. That's good. Well, I'm going to use that. I, I'm, I, I do tend to be the person who wants to compliment the person on the, on the checkout line at the grocery store because you can make somebody's day. Just You don't know what kind of day somebody's having. And I know. Just, um, it's free. Some, some kind and it's got to be genuine if you hate the shirt yeah. if you hate the shirt you're not going to say it's great but yeah. if you find something genuine to compliment somebody on it's great it, it really makes your day but now when i do that i'm going to call it a will donato oh no <laughs> i don't i don't corner the market on that but you know, <laughs> yeah it has to be appropriate too you know i i but you know sometimes god it's, it's almost it almost breaks your heart just a cute little lady it reminds me of my mom has a cute little thing that they go to the the beauty shop and it's all quaked perfectly and i'll just say oh, your hair looks really nice and they look like they've never had a compliment in 20 years you know where you and i can just circulate and someone will at least say that's a cool shirt you have on or 
but it breaks my heart that somebody doesn't get a little bit of love and we all kind of move to society sometimes just you know in a kind of an autopilot mode so yeah, I, I remember laughing. I was telling my buddies during COVID, my social life was the drive through at Starbucks or McDonald's. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, human. You know, it's like, that was my social life, a drive through And, you know. It, well, mine is kind of like this with Zoom. It's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> nice well, you to know, see you. You've made me reappreciate Zoom because I had kind of put the gear away after doing the radio shows. And I thought, you know, if you can't get to a friend back east, like we were talking about Paula Atherton, this is not a bad way to go. Hey, how you doing? You know, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm the same person basically off stage. You know, I I I don't want to be a caricature in, in in any scenario. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you guys all want to experience Will in person and find and discover the real Will Donato, uh, you can catch him at Sinopolis in Laguna Niguel on Thursday, February 17th. And the event's called Meet Me at the Cinema. Meet cool me, meet me at the cinema.com. You can get all the details on everything else that's going on that evening. Thank you so much, Will, for joining me uh, today. I was excited to be here. And thank you. I got to work on my craft of video stuff today. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, we got to get a cup of coffee when I'm down there. There you go. And it won't be a drive through <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. All right. Take care. All right.